his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Incidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart, Brian. It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. Welcome back to the best of the weekend report on 97.1 FM Talk. Here is our most recent conversation with the new United States congressman from the state of Utah, our good friend, Burgess Owens. Chris, just now there in the break before we went back on the air, we had a chance to say hello to Burgess Owens, and uh, it was just great to hear his voice, and I'm so yep. excited to be talking to the congressman once again. Super Bowl champion, best-selling author, and now United States congressman from the great state of Utah, our friend Burgess Owens, is back on the weekend report. Burgess, Mr. Congressman, <laughs> great to great to talk with you, my friend. How are you? Burgess works fine with me. Believe me, no, I'm doing great, guys, and I'm, I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys once again. Absolutely. So it's been a it's been a couple months. People that have listened to the Weekend Report for hopefully years and years, you know, know that you have been with us many, many times. It's been uh, so. Uh, it's been a privilege to watch this this whole process unfold as you have gone from uh you know your super bowl career to the to the books and your incredible story of being on the top and then being on the bottom and then pulling your way back to the top and now uh being elected to congress um it, in these last couple of months as you have uh, maybe gotten your sea legs and yeah. and you know and and figure it out how this whole thing works now that you are a member of uh, the United States House. Uh, can you just from a? We'll get into some. We'll get into the specifics of issues here in a minute. But just yep. kind of uh, tell us about how this process, this learning uh, about the United States Congress, has gone for you. Well, you know, it is obviously this is a very, very different uh, year. Uh, well, I don't think we've ever experienced anything like this. Uh, and I'm just so thankful to go back to the football analogy. I'm so thankful to be on the field instead of the sideline mm-hmm. because. Uh, we can kind of see the inner workings, and and and, and I'll be honest with you guys, I, I have more faith in miracle people now than ever before, uh, because again, and we've talked about this a little bit. You know, I, I know my history, I know that we do the right things at the right time for the right reasons, and uh, what the American people did collectively is we we uh, we flipped 15 seats 
Uh, we have 15 seats flipped. We didn't lose any of our incumbents, so we have literally the closest margin since uh, I think World War II. And what, what does that what does that really mean to us? It means that even though we've lost the House, the the, uh, the Senate, and, and the executive branch, we have the closest margin that we've had in decades. So what what, what it's going to come down to is very simple: is uh, we're going to have a chance to see contrast. Number one, we have a chance as American people to see this uh, this ideology that we've been talking about for so, so long, this ideology of Marxism and, and socialism. And by the way, let me just tell my Democratic friends, those are good hearts. This ideology that I'm talking about is not our friends. They're not our friends. It's, yeah, they're, they're against all of us. And we have to, they, they use good hearts, they have behind good hearts to, to, to bring about bad, bad policies. So, so just know those who love our nation, those who want our kids to, to grow up and without debt, with a great future ahead of them, with a, an idea of looking at each other inside out, not outside in, this is our time to see contrast, to see that we don't want what the left, the hard left has given us, and come back and start voting for the values we believe in. Uh, so so that's, that's, that's the beginning. And the other part of it is that we brought 15 new congressmen on, on board, congressmen and congresswomen. I have never been more impressed with a team of people that truly believe in our nation. They're articulate. They're diverse, and in, 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 you know they're diverse in our in our exterior, our uh, culture, you know where we came from. But we're we're very much on the same page in terms of our love for our country, and um, and we're gonna we're gonna hold the line for the next two years, get back the house, and build build on this foundation we have now, so that the things that they're trying to do right now we can we can either turn around or uh, or put in place a, a better policies to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to to truly live the American dream, keep our rights. And begin to see each other the way we should, not not at the as a, as a uh, the divisive nature that the left has us going in, but in a much different way that what we have together, we can we can truly come together and and make some great things happen. Go ahead, Chris. Congressman, we've seen recently uh, another school another school shooting, but another mass shootings. Um, I've got a two part kind of question <laughs> for you. Um, there's a bill within the House that the Democrats are trying to drastically take away our Second Amendment rights. Um, address what the Republican plan is to try to stop that. And second, with this shooting specifically in Atlanta, um, I wrote a column for RedState.com um, where I was uh, saying that I think the Democratic Party is trying to focus their targets of victimization on the Asian community. They've already conquered the black community, Hispanic community, LGBTQ. They've turned all of them into victims. And now that you see the Asian community, which is productive, you know, self-reliant, um, they seem to want to focus on them and make them victims. And we even saw that with the senators from uh, Hawaii and Illinois, the Asian senators, who were threatening to uphold, to stop Joe Biden's appointees to the Senate unless there were more Asian-American Pacific Islanders um, represented. Uh, Give me your thoughts on those two issues, please. You nailed it. Uh, I understand what uh, what the hard left does. Uh, this is this is their this is who they are. It's the DNA. They want to bring chaos. It's never about bringing us together. It's never about bringing solutions. It's about bringing divisiveness, anger, hatred, and chaos. And so, so what what uh, what has happened is you have the Asian community, and there's another there's a com- other community I want to give some some real good kudos to the Nigerian community. Uh, yes. They, they, and they, I mean, these are folks that come to this country, and because they have such a strong family unit, their family is about their name. They want to they want to be proud of uh, who they are. They want to make sure their mom and dad are proud of who they are, and so they come, and they work hard. 
They, they get the education. They don't get so much into politics. They get into business ownership. They get into self-empowerment. And we've seen this with the Asian community, seen this with the Nigerian community. And, and, and because of that, they are a threat to the left. In other words, as long as you're showing what it, what it takes to succeed in this country. And by the way, what the, what's happened in the Asian community is the same kind of community I grew up in in the 60s, the black community. We, were, we, were, we represented what we now see the respect we have for the Asians and others like them. That was the black community in the 1960s because we were, you know, we were leading the charge in all these, these, uh, uh, all these metrics that talk about success, education, entrepreneurship, family, faith. That's who we are. So personally, I don't think it's going to work. Uh, Asian communities, first of all, they – they don't. Uh, they don't see their their end game in, in in terms of politics or athletics. They see it in hard work, education, critical thinking, and family. They 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 still they understand that. So I don't think what they're trying to do, the left right now, bring bring this uh, a new divisive area into this into this conversation is going to work for them because they already understand the American dream is, and they don't want it to be taken away from them. <clears throat> Just as the other communities, black. Um, the the uh, the gay community, the Hispanic community, we are now waking up also because of of the shadow of of the Trump era. We now understand what policies can do to to make sure that we can live the American dream. It's not about our color. We're finally realizing that if, you, if politicians keep their word, give us an opportunity to start our businesses, put our kids in great schools, let us keep let us keep our money and don't put us in debt, uh, and give us safety then anybody can succeed. And so with that knowledge, it's, it's going to be impossible for them to put the genie back in the bottle again, even though they're going to try. Uh, so just know, again, when I talked about earlier, my faith in the American people is we see contrast, and we're going to come together and truly start talking across uh, a different, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle we're on. We're going to start talking and get the solutions in place, and we're going to do, we're going to do a really good job in, in pulling us back in 2022. We're hey, Tony, one, one yeah, follow-up. You know, yeah. Congressman, one thing I find really ironic is, you know, they're trying to paint the Asians as, as hate crimes being perpetrated against them, and, and those are on the rise. But the liberals are silent when they talk about Yale and Harvard and all the Ivy League schools <laughs> that are discriminated against Asians because their test scores are so high that they won't let them in. Yeah. They're quiet about that discrimination. What, what a great point. What a great point to make. Uh, isn't that interesting hmm. that Harvard, Yale, they actually look at the Asian community and they, they will not let them in because they're doing too well. They, they, they raise the bar instead of saying, well, what are they doing to keep this bar so high? And let's make sure everybody can achieve that. What, what the, these, 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 these colleges want to do is lower, it, lower the bar, make sure people come in and can be indoctrinated in their direct direction. One thing about the Asian community, I just want to pass on and say one other thing about this, um, um, uh, the, the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the hate things that's going on right now or the attacks. Uh, one thing about the Asian community is that they're going to come out of these colleges being conservative. Because they go in conservative, understand the, the process, they get their degrees, and they come out conservative. That is I a big threat. So. That's a big threat to the left. The other part of it is they did a study in, uh, in, in, in California of the 300 uh, crimes uh, uh, over the last couple of years against Asians. 85% of were black. Or were the, the, the perpetrators were black. In the white communities, uh, uh, 80, 83% of white against white is, is, uh, is, is against white Americans are uh, perpetrated by white Americans. In the black community, 93% against black uh, uh, victims are black 
perpetrators. So, so there's there's a problem here, and I think we have to dig deeper than the color. Let's look at what is happening in the family. What's happening with, with people coming out of this this uh, as they grow up? Are they being given the opportunity to understand what it is to respect God, country, family, respect for women, authority? Are they doing that, or are we going through? A, a redoc and an indoctrination of taking away God, taking away capitalism, taking away the family unit, which is what the left does. And the result of that is going to have a lot more people angry, uh, doing things that are just not good against other people because they don't have any hope, and they have no guidance of understanding that if you do wrong things, bad things will happen to you, and, and vice versa. If you do right things, you will be blessed by it. And those things we have to be that are being taught in the family unit. And right now, the, the black families, of course, is, is having a hard time with that based on the policies put together for, for the last, last few decades. Amen. Just a few minutes left here with Super Bowl champion, best-selling author, and United States Congressman Burgess Owens. Uh, let's try to get a few more in. Chris, go ahead. Congressman, on Thursday, the president held his long-awaited first press conference. Um, do you think that the president quieted the talk that he is in cognitive decline after uh, the, his performance? No. What we're seeing is a weak and a very frail um, man. Uh, and, and I think American people should be concerned about that, because uh, if, if in case what we've been saying for over a year, that he's, a, he's an empty shell, then the question is, who is running our government? Who's running the executive branch? Uh, I, I have a theory, first of all, because I do understand how the left works. They're cowards. They, they like to hide behind whatever they like to hide behind. This is what they do. They, they hide. So they're, 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 they can be emboldened. To, to put together policies that literally will destroy our country, destroy families, destroy opportunities, jobs, because they will not be held personally accountable. Uh, Biden will be held personally accountable because he is in that position. But, but I think Americans need to, need to listen to the, the promises he's made before, see the divisiveness he has right now. The fact is we have a border. And I'll say this real quickly. We have a border right now that has been overrun by people who have been drawn here with promises that are not that are not true. Uh, and and, and, and it, for those, by the way, who's ever used the word reparation, never, ever use that word again, because we're seeing, we don't have to look back 200 years ago. We can now look at what human trafficking looks like today. There are young boys and girls coming through. There are women. There was a, a Huffington Post came out with a, a, a report a couple of years ago that 80% of the women and girls are going to be raped coming through this process. Now, understand, these are, these are people, these are good people looking for their dreams, but we're putting them in a position of being around evil, folks who will take advantage of them, they will sell their bodies, or sell, and again, as young as six or seven years old, these, these young, young, young children are being put into sex trafficking. And we have a, a government that closed their eyes to that. There's, no, there's nothing more worse than seeing that, and it's the same thing that happened back in the 1800s. So let's not close our eyes. As Americans, we need to stand against this idea of open borders, uh, make sure that we have the people are protected, those who, who, who are given this idea, this, this, this false hope. And by the way, one other thing, just imagine the mothers and fathers who love their children, send them north because of these promises, will never, ever see them again. And when they start looking another couple of years from now, they'll know, never know where they are because they're not even tracking the children that's coming in. They don't have to, children coming in, they don't have to be with their parents. They just come in, they just let them into the country. Um, and by the way, the other thing is COVID has also been released into our country. Anyone who's listening right now that cares about our country, our nation, our fellow citizens need to be really up, up in arms at what's happening at the border. And that represents a heart, the heart of the Biden administration. It is heartless. And we need to understand that this is what's going to be portrayed through all the policies they have. What's happening at the border today is what's going to happen and everything else. 
business ownership, uh, uh, health care, everything that we're going to see is, is, is kind of it's been implemented uh, at the end, again, as you see at the board at, uh, at, at this particular point. Congressman, what does it tell you that uh, an administration that claims to be uh, transparent and call for unity when they close the uh, when they put a media blackout at the border? Uh, yeah. What are they hiding and what message does that tell you? Uh, back when I was a kid, uh, uh, we, we we had a term: the, the the boy who called who cried wolf, and that's what happens when this idea was very simply: if you do not, if you're not honest, and you continue to lie, people are going to start looking at you as a liar and do not trust the word you say. Uh, I think what's happening right now with the Biden administration: they've given a lot of promises, and as the truth starts to come out, that they're not keeping any of them, that it's all about power. Uh, you know, for most of us, for American people, Democrats and independents, our words, the three most important words for us is we the people. We want freedom, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. On the other side is power, labor, and um, uh, was it power, labor, and lawyers. <laughs> Those are the three words that drive the, the, the Democratic left. They can care less about we the people. So know that's the, that's the contrast we're looking at. People will start to see them real time. Oh, by the way, keep in mind, as you guys see your – Gas, uh, uh, your, 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 your gas bill is going up. I used to be able to spend $38 to fill up my, my, my car. Now, I just, just the other day, it was $67. Now, that's mm. something that hits all of us. We start to realize if it hits us like that, that's a tax. It impacts everything we do, every decision we, we make to get up every single day to go to work or, or go vacation or whatever. So just know it, it's going to be hitting our pockets big time, and this is just another area in which the Biden administration is going to be failing the American people. That is United States Congressman Burgess Owens. Burgess, it is always great to talk with you. We've gone super long. We always appreciate the time that you give us. Uh, Hope to have you back on real soon. In the meantime, if people want to keep up with you and what you are working on uh, in the United States Congress, what are the best uh, places to do so, websites, all that good stuff? The best best place is uh, uh, is just go to BurgessForUtah.com. BurgessForUtah.com, and, uh, and all of my information is there. You can, you can look out for everything else that you might want to reach out to me, including uh, in, the, in the House, in the, in the Congress. And thank and, you again, guys. I really appreciate this time we spend together. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. And, and early notice, Burgess will be in St. Louis in October? Yes. Yes. What, what's that? What was that? <laughs> I said you will be in October for the St. Louis County uh, Lincoln Day Banquet, so want a little early uh Early notice of that to yes. the audience. Okay. Yeah, this fall. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the heads up. We'll, we'll, we'll take a look at that, guys, for sure. All right. Yeah, talk to your people and, and, yeah. uh, and make sure yeah, that's on booked. the schedule. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. Burgess, thank it is always great to hear your voice. Can't wait to talk to you again soon, my friend. Chris and Tony, thank you, my friends. Thank you. You All bet. Best. All Bye-bye. right. Got to take another quick break. And if there's any more time left, we'll do a little more We Can Report when we get back. 97.1 FM Talk. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. If you lose me, you lose everything. 
Welcome back to the best of the weekend report on 97.1 FM Talk. Here's a discussion that we had with Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt a couple months ago, just before he announced that he was running for Senate. Chris tries to get him to announce it right here on the air with us. Mr. Attorney General, thank you so much for your time today, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, So there's plenty, lots to talk to you about, uh, sir. (laughs) Uh, I want to start with the initial reason that I had uh, requested that we that we talk to you on today's show. And that is the story about uh, us here and through you in the state of Missouri uh, leading a lawsuit that was filed this week against the Biden administration. Uh, I think 11 other states have joined you, uh, at least the time that I read the story. Maybe it's more now. Uh, and uh, you guys, in this claim that uh, a climate-based uh, executive order has the potential to have serious economic impact on the country through the expansion of federal regulatory power. The suit says that regulations will stifle manufacturing and harm agriculture in Missouri and across the country. Uh, I couldn't agree more about uh, federal powers and their overreach, especially when it comes to regulations. Uh, could you explain the, the the lawsuit a little bit more and the inspiration behind it? Sure. I think one of the things that's important for the listeners to understand is that Missouri is leading the charge. Um, you know, Texas is out there, too. But Missouri, really across the country, uh, we're leading the charge in holding this administration accountable because what we're seeing is a massive expansion of federal regulatory authority that's going to harm uh, um, Missourians. It's going to crush jobs. It's going to you know, entire industries are going to be affected. So to take a step back and put it in context, on January 20th, the day the president was sworn in, he issued an executive order that called for the formation of a working group, a working group to figure out what is the social cost of greenhouse gases. Uh, Not very well defined. These are unelected people, not accountable to anybody. Well, recently they came up with a number, and it's, it's a staggering number in the billions and trillions of dollars right over time, that they seek to rec the economy, meaning these agencies now across the board in D.C. have a blank check to recoup those dollars from agriculture, energy production, uh, which will affect uh, every, to the you know, extent you're buying a microwave, a dishwasher, a car, all of those kinds of regulations that are going to come in place to raise the cost of, of consumer goods, to raise the cost of how much it costs to heat your home, food prices, all of it's on the table. And it's just beyond just being bad policy, it's unconstitutional. There's zero legislative authority. Congress has not passed a law to give the president or any of these agencies the ability to do this. And we're calling them out on it. We're saying, look, you don't get to do this because you're trying to appease the left here. There's some wish list, you know, that you ran on that you want to execute now. You actually have to pass a law to do this or you have to have some authority to be able to do this. They don't have it, which is why we filed a lawsuit. Go ahead, Chris. Mr. Attorney General, the... I think the attorney general of Florida is initiating uh, some uh, a lawsuit against the big tech companies, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, all of them saying that they have too much control. Uh, are you looking to do something like that here in Missouri? 
Yeah, we're already in um, multiple cases. We joined a big antitrust lawsuit um, against Google with the Department of Justice when Attorney General Barr uh, was there, along with uh, several other states. We currently have an investigation, a lawsuit with um, with Facebook. I mean, big tech. Mm. So yes, Missouri's fully. We are on the we're on the battlefield <laughs> here because I think what you see is this consolidation of of power among big tech companies yields way too much influence. It's outsized. If you think about what the internet was envisioned to be, which was, you know, I, I'm 45, right? So I was in college and in the nineties. And when the internet kind of broke loose in the nineties, it was supposed to kind of democratize information, right? You could access all this information that you had to look up in a microfiche before or or an encyclopedia Britannica, whatever, (laughs) all that now was, was open, open forum, right? Well, that's changed. Uh, you see, uh, you see a lot of um, activity where people are being, you know, censored. You see uh, uh, antitrust, anti-competitive concerns. You see data issues. So this is a big issue of our time, and we're absolutely in the fight on that as well. Chris, you remember when you had to look up stuff on microfiche to get mm-hmm. your to get your project pro- get your project done? Is I that, told uh, my actually, I do, that. Tony. I, stop I, embarrassing me. I do, too. I do, too. <laughs> I told my 12-year-old that, and she looked at me like I was talking about some kind of, like, sea, sea creature, you know, yeah. uh, uh Mr. Attorney General, we had uh, Tim Jones, uh, you know, one of our uh, uh, co-workers here at the radio station, former Speaker of the House of the State, and we touched on some of these issues with him in the last hour and kind of had an old-fashioned civics discussion um forget about the particulars of this lawsuit and other issues happening around the country uh how important is it just to simply stand up in the state of missouri and other states across the country for states rights and to stop this uh regulatory power uh grab and you know more control of the country coming out of washington dc i think that what you're doing with this lawsuit and in in other actions that you you've taken uh while in office is a perfect example of i think what the founding fathers meant this country to be and to give this give the states you know ultimate power over their citizens it's not the job of the uh, of the federal government. So, just in general, would you agree with that statement? And does that have something to do with the uh, the influence that you have uh, to to fight these fights? Absolutely. Why? Which is why I feel so grateful to you know be in this position to be able to do that. Because, as you mentioned, you know, taking a step back here historically, it's very unique. Um, our country is, and when people talk about American exceptionalism, it means we are except we are the exception, right? We put the power in the in the people's hands. And the states created the federal government. There's a contract, essentially. The Constitution was, okay, we need to figure out what is the role, what is the scope, what are the limited powers that the constitu- that we're going to grant the federal government by way of the Constitution. The Federalist Papers were written to try to convince people of this new model of governance, right? And it was very limited sets of powers. And so you have, essentially, vertical and horizontal Um, checks and balances, separation of powers, right? You've got the branches all checking one another. Agencies, individuals are never supposed to get too powerful. We rebelled from a king. We didn't want that anymore. And we also have that kind of federalism where states have the right to push back as well. And what is the purpose of all that? The purpose of all that diffusion of power is to protect individual liberty. That's what it's all about, right? And so we have a very important role right now in this time and place in pushing back and saying, look, just because you think it's a good idea, Joe Biden, you don't get to bind all 50 states 
300 plus million Americans to this idea. Um, it's, you know, we get to, because it's going to have a tremendous impact on our state and you have no authority to do it. One of the biggest threats to our republic, I think, that the founders would have never imagined is uh, the administrative state that we see now. This, if they're not accountable to anybody, you know, the, the farmer in, um, you know, Macon, Missouri, didn't vote for the deputy undersecretary of the EPA. And if they, issue, you know, and if they issue yes. a regulation, it has a profound impact on their way of life. That's such and a great so, point. So that's that's what we're getting at, I think, with the, with these lawsuits. Absolutely. We are talking to Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt. Go ahead, Chris. All right, all right, all right. I'll do it. You're going to do it? Okay. Beat, we're getting, I'll we're, stop we're there. around the bush. We're there. We'll we're there. We're at that we'll point. talk about the 800-pound gorilla. That's all right, let's here. go. <laughs> uh, Attorney General Schmidt, uh, of course, we all know the news that uh, Senator Blunt has decided not to seek re-election. Um, reports is that you have thrown your hat in the ring. There are a lot of folks that are speculating are going to be running for that seat. They're all very strong conservatives in their own right. What differentiates you from the other potential contenders? Well, look, I don't want to get ahead of the game here. Um, uh, you know, I think it's an important seat, and I am seriously, seriously considering it. Um, mm -hmm. And I know people say this, uh, but it's true. Uh, it's a big decision, right? And you want to talk to your family and your friends, and there have been a lot of people reaching out um, who have been very supportive. So I'm definitely encouraged by that. Um, I think for me, you know, we need fighters in Washington, D.C. now more than ever. And uh, that's been my record, you know, and we need conservative leaders in Washington, D.C., uh, in the United States Senate. You look at the Senate right now, it's 50-50. You know, Kamala Harris is breaking all these ties, and uh, Missouri is a very important seat. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it all the consideration that it, that it deserves um, and in that process right now. But, uh, um, but it's, it's a very important seat, and the ramifications are huge. Do you, have a, do you have a timetable when you're going to make a decision, sir? I don't. It's a fair question, Chris. Uh, <laughs> but um, but I think you just you want to. Make After right he decision, announced right? that you were running, he's asking what your time. <laughs> right, right. right. Yeah, to be clear, that hasn't happened. We're trying but, to make uh, some news here on the weekend. Uh, oh yeah, you, you guys are good. You guys are good. But uh, but no, no no timeline necessarily. Um, but uh, but anyway, like I said, I am. Um, in the middle of that process right now where uh, you're talking to people and friends and family and, and supporters. And uh, I've been very encouraged. And so I am very, very seriously considering this. It's not a foregone conclusion. I don't think that uh, the Republicans will hold that seat, you know, uh, after uh, after Senator Blunt steps down. How important is that seat, no matter which Republican runs for it? It's critical. I mean, you look at the things that the, you know, the Senate's engaged in all the really important debates of our time. And, uh, you know, from judicial selection to national security to these issues in surrounding big tech to the role of government, all of it, right? I mean, the founders really um, set apart the Senate to be a, a deliberative body that is going to sort out a lot of the big, big, big issues of our time. And so it's critical. I mean, Missouri's, you know, we, we got, we're a red state right now, but, uh, but uh, I never take anything for granted. Uh, you have to work incredibly hard to uh, obtain maintain uh the trust and confidence of voters and um and, and missourians uh they're good common sense people here who can uh who know who's authentic and genuine and in, in you know in this for the right reasons and all those sorts of things and so anyway that's all that's yeah. obviously all in play but missouri is uh 
a critical. You have to hold Missouri. I mean, if you're if you're talking about picking up seats, you got to hold Missouri. And um, and I think there will be a national spotlight on it. And uh, again, why I think the decision making process right now is so important. We're almost out of time with Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt. Before we let you go, Mr. Attorney General, I wanted to ask you since. You know, obviously, the 2020 election season was chaotic uh, uh, from a national level. But here in Missouri, it sort of got things back to normalcy because we were operating for the years, a couple of years before that, with a governor that was, uh, you know, not appointed, but elevated to that seat in so many statewide offices that were uh, not won by election, but were kind of the domino effect of what happened to uh, former Governor Eric Greitens. And now after the 2020 elections, you know, it's kind of back to normal. All the statewide seats are held by people that won those elections. What's it been like uh, in this new legislative session since those elections, uh, running this, this state with Governor Parson? Uh, just talk a little bit about uh, what you guys have been able to accomplish and, and the track that you have put the state on. Yeah, I think the, the governor is providing great leadership. I think Missouri has an opportunity to set itself apart. You know, I, I always I, I talk, you know, in AG world, you know, Texas gets a lot of attention sometimes. And I tell people, look at what's going on in Missouri. If you if you want a freedom loving state, it's got this independent streak that um, people are smart. They know they have great common sense. It's a great place. The country comes together here. The rivers come together here. The railroads come together here. The highways come together here. This is the heart of the heartland. And I think Missouri is leading the way. That's been our tradition. I mean, I think about when my family came here six generations ago, Missouri was on the western edge of the entire country. There were railroads that didn't go any further than the state of Missouri. And St. Louis became you know, the fourth largest city. There's a great tradition of innovation and discovery and pioneering spirit of the state. And I think we need to embrace that. And I think this conservative leadership we have right now moving this state forward uh, really kind of, again, sets the tone for where we're headed as more people are leaving places like Illinois, move, leaving places like New York, leaving places like California. Uh, they're coming to places like Missouri. And uh, we're, it's a great place with great people, and we've got so many opportunities ahead of us. That is the Attorney General of the State of Missouri, Eric Schmidt. Uh, Mr. Attorney General, uh, good luck as you weigh these important decisions in your future. And uh, we hope to have you back on soon to continue to talk about all of these issues that are facing the country and the state. Thanks for your time today, sir. All right. God bless you guys. You bet. Thank you. Thank you. Instacart and get your family sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart, Brian. I'm zinging in a tree, swinging in the breeze. I'm looking at the blue sky, smelling. So sweet. 
my pretty little angel, my pretty little queen, pretty little princess, my pretty little dreams, I'm bonding. This is the best of the weekend report on 97.1 FM Talk, and here's a recent conversation that we had with United States Congressman Rodney Davis. Congressman Davis, always great to talk with you, sir. How are you? You know what? It's great talking with you guys. I appreciate you having me on, and I certainly agree that they keep this crazy talk about defunding police up. We will take the majority by a bigger margin than what I expect to take, take it by anyway. So here's my here's my worry, and uh, maybe you can uh, make me feel a little bit better. I am I I was just mentioning to Chris in that in the first segment of the show that the Democrats have done a a, a masterful job of getting to work on every single major progressive action that they had talked about in the election. Ending the filibuster, packing the courts, statehood for D.C., uh, massive gun reform, massive election form. I mean, they've got their they've got the pedal to the metal. And I'm wondering if they can get it all done, if they keep this up, how much damage can they do before the American people have another chance to get to the ballot box and make a possible change? Well, you are 100 percent correct. They are trying to inflict as much liberal damage as they they can possibly inflict. I think they realize they're going to lose the majority. And because of that, what they're doing is is trying to jam all of these crazy proposals through that you just mentioned. Uh, We we anticipate, especially if they try to blow up the filibuster in the Senate, that they could pass some of these things. The good news is some of the sensible Democrats like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema are saying, no, let's not disrupt Washington more so than it is. So at least at least we have that backstop right now. Otherwise, if you let Speaker Pelosi run the show, um, every bad idea would now be law. Mm. Talking to Congressman Rodney Davis. Go ahead, Chris. You know, as you were saying, as we've been saying that, you know, the Congress right now is very tenuous, um, especially the Senate and the House. If the vote was held today, how many seats do you think Republicans could pick up in the House? Oh, I think we could easily pick up. I think we could easily look at, uh, you know, 25, mm. uh, if not more. Mm. But we, we have to see what redistricting does uh, in in states throughout the nation, including Illinois. But in the end, uh, I, I would I would look at this being a very good Republican year. When you look at history, you know, they they have uh, they have control of House, Senate and the White House. And traditionally, the midterm of a president of the other party. Uh, the the other party does well. Uh, look at 1994. Yeah. Look at 2010. Uh, but in the end, in the end, they have such a small majority because they thought they were going to pick up so many seats in the last Congress, and we ended up picking yeah. up the majority of the seats. And I know we're going to win the majority. So, Congressman, uh, while we have you for a few minutes, let's try to get into a couple of the specific issues. The big one this week, obviously, was the rollout of their uh, judiciary plan, the idea of adding new justices to the Supreme Court, taking the number from nine to 13. Um, For people that don't, you know, that that don't study this or watch this every single day, uh, why is it so dangerous to uh, add more justices to the court, specifically in the way that the Democrats have laid out? 
<laughs> this is this is exactly what the communists in uh, Venezuela did, so that Hugo Chavez and and uh, Maduro could remain in power. Uh, they they made the courts political, uh, like our country's not political enough. Like there's not a political litmus test on on so many things nowadays in our society that normally was not there just a few short years ago. If remember, I, I said I think we could pick up 20, 25 seats, right? If they pack the court. You can ex- you can you can grow that majority that we would take by exponential mm-hmm. margins mm-hmm. because even even moderates folks who don't live and breathe politics who don't look at politics as a religion they are going to be upset by a proposal to do this if they try to make it happen. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, Congressman, the president this week announced that we were going to withdraw out of Afghanistan by nine eleven. Um, This is America's longest war. We've been over there 20 years. Um, President Trump's plan previously was to withdraw uh, in May, but with with conditions. Um, What the president is doing in September is unilaterally, we're leaving, uh, we're not leaving any troops or or anything. What's your opinion on that? Do you think that's a good thing for our security and for the security of the region? I, I I don't like telegraphing. Uh, what we will or will not do when it comes to America's uh, national security. I think uh, the Taliban, uh, they, they're playing the long game. They're waiting for this day. And I certainly wish we had our allies in Afghanistan in a much better spot to fulfill our mission and to have this transition that we were hoping for years ago. Uh, I don't think it's going to work out for the Afghani people. In the long run, I think the Taliban will have an opportunity to get back in charge, and I certainly hope that we don't go exactly back to where we were pre-9-11 when you had a country that aided and abetted abetted the most deadly terrorists in the world. Congressman, I want to talk about the uh, fiasco revolving the Georgia voting law and all of the impact that— the lies, quite frankly, that many have told about that law, uh, not only the Major League Baseball All-Star Game uh, moving, which is probably the biggest uh, revenue uh, damage done to the state of Georgia and obviously the city of Atlanta. Um, but, you know, the, the president gets uh, called with four po- Pinocchios by The Washington Post. Senator Raphael Warnock from the new senator down there in Georgia has admitted this week to signing his name to information that was false about the Georgia bill that was being put out by various uh, advocacy groups that were supposed to be explaining to people what was in the bill, but it was in what was in the new law, but it wasn't true. And the senator allowed his name to be put on that. And there doesn't appear to be any repercussions for lying to the American people and affecting Millions and millions of dollars of revenue, hundreds of billions of dollars of revenue. I can't even imagine if 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 this would have been President Trump or a Republican senator uh, behaving this way, it would still not be okay. I certainly wouldn't be defending it, uh, but I'm guessing there would be consequences. But there seems to be no consequences. What are your thoughts on that whole situation? It's just disappointing because we're seeing major news media outlets continue to perpetuate the lies. Uh, We've got a serious problem in this country, which is why I'm a big fan of local radio like yours. We have a big problem with um, some of our major media outlets 
wanting to uh, wanting to spread this type of misinformation. And if you just took a, a, a chance, 15 minutes, sit down and read that Georgia bill, uh, you would see that it's nothing like was being explained to the American people. And, and that's exactly the problem that I mentioned is we've got to do a better job can, making sure that our constituents know what is in legislation, what is true, what is not. There's not there are, there are not multiple truths when it comes to election and election laws in Georgia. There's one truth, mm-hmm. and well, the truth is they actually expanded voting. They expanded voting beyond what they have in New York, beyond what they have in other states. But let's not forget, there were many, many problems in Georgia during the primary and the general election, and they were usually in Democrat-run cities like Atlanta and Fulton County, where the election officials who were Democrats closed polling places because of COVID and caused long lines. So you have to address those problems at the state legislative level. That's what our Constitution says. But Democrats out here are trying to pass a bill called H.R. 1, to export all the bad election policies in places like New York and California to the rest of the nation. And then they sit with a straight face and lie about what happens in Georgia. With Congressman Roddy Davis, who's been nice enough to fit us in right before another appointment that he has, what are all the best platforms for people to go and and follow you? Go hit my website. It's uh, rodneydavis.house.gov. You want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Rodney Davis. Uh, or go to Facebook, Rep. Rodney Davis. We're glad to have you. Glad to be uh, glad to interact too. So reach Absolutely. out if you need anything from us. You bet, Congressman. Thank you so much for your time. I hope to talk to you again soon. Absolutely. See y'all. Thank you, Congressman. All right, good stuff there from United States Congressman Rodney Davis. You're listening to ninety-seven one FM Talk. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. You are listening to the best of The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. And here's a recent conversation that we had with Chris Arps' friend from Newsmax, their White House correspondent, Emerald Robinson. Joining us now on the line is one of Chris's colleagues, from his big uh, national superstar platform that he is on now every week on Newsmax. Chris, introduce us to our guest. Emerald, I pay Tony to say all that, so I just want to get that, get that out of the way. But yeah, you know. But he it's, is it's, Tony. He's such <laughs> yes, a superstar. He is. Yes, he is. On the line is uh, uh, Emerald Robinson. She is the White House correspondent for Newsmax. And I had the uh, pleasure of being with Emerald on a panel on Newsmax's Wake Up America program with Rob Finnerty on Wednesdays. And when you have a pretty dramatic week in Washington with everything going on with the politics, it's always great to have a White House correspondent insider to be able to uh, fire questions off to. So, Emerald, thank you for taking some time out of your schedule uh, on this weekend and talking to us. 
Yeah, of course. I love uh It's nice to get to talk to you more than once a week, Chris. <laughs> great, great. Thank you. As you get to know him, that may change. Uh, <laughs> so, Emerald, obviously a lot happening in, I mean, you know, there's been a lot happening in a Washington, D.C. for the last four plus years, at least. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, the situation, the, the very unique situation that we are going through now with President Biden and his lack of press conferences, and now he finally announces one, but he announces it two weeks ahead of time, which is also strange, and he hasn't given a State of the Union yeah, address. Right. Um, you know, all this, you know, that uh, is surrounding the president in that, in that, on that topic. Um, being there, uh, part of that uh, press corps mm-hmm. in Washington, D.C., um, how... How strange has it been? How different has it been for you? And how do you? What are your What are your thoughts on why President Biden has taken so long to do a press conference? Well, I think a great example of why it's taken so long is his uh, attempting to board Air Force One en route to Atlanta on Friday and falling, not tripping once but twice. And then ultimately falling on the steps aboarding yeah. Air Force One. Yeah. That was quite a startling moment. Yeah. And his referring to President Harris on Thursday during appearance at the White House talking about vaccines. So I heard that. I was watching that done. live. I was watching that live and kind of double take because I had it on in the background. Yeah. And 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 I I noticed that myself. I haven't. You know what, though? You're the first person I've heard talk about it. So it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, um, you know, the the president Biden's, um, issues are not always as highlighted by the media as, uh, as others. And, and to your, to your point, Emma, we, we talked to, uh, former Senator from here in Missouri, Jim Talent, uh, on this show Mm -hmm. a a week ago. And he had made, he's made the point on, on our air and Jim is, and Jim is, uh, 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 he is not a, a bomb thrower. He is not somebody who uh, will say uh, uh, derogatory things about people on the other side of the aisle. Um, but he talked about, but I, I, and so that makes this this statement even more uh, eye opening. Is he talked about his time in the Senate and working with Joe Biden as a senator? Um, and mm-hmm. you know, just just Chris, how long ago? Six years ago, when Jim Talent was in office. Seven. Uh, Jim Talent left office two thousand six. Okay, okay. So it's been so it's been a longer. And and, but he talked about him him working with Joe Biden in that capacity and what a different person President Biden is. And he and he mentioned those things. Like I asked him what they were, and he said, you know, his his inability to recall uh, issues, to think on his feet, to answer, you know, to be quick with names and 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 moments in history and things like that. He said he he is such a different person, Um, and. It just you know you you don't ever want to speculate about somebody's mental health, but you're you're forced to speculate when the president is being kept away from the public and from the press. So well, when it's the leader ahead. of the world, when it's the leader of the free world, and it's a issue related to national security, then those are very relevant questions. What's interesting to me is that it's a question that's not being asked. If you think back to the Trump administration and how many times did in the White House press corps someone pose a question to the current press secretary at the time as to the mental fitness of former President Trump? Mm-hmm. 
and he could recall very well, and he was always very sharp. He had a different way of saying things. He had a different uh, way of talking to the American people, and a lot of people didn't like that. But you didn't really question his mental acuity. But for Joe Biden, there's just instance after instance that is becoming uh, increasingly alarming that poses serious questions for our national security. And talking about that press conference next week, because he he has been so insulated and protected, I've been having conversations with the White House Correspondents Association on what is that press conference going to look like? Mm -hmm. Is Newsmax going to be allowed in there? Who else is going to be allowed in? What What's the structure? And I can't get any answers. They're telling me they don't know either. And they're actually concerned that the White House is going to try to stage manage this in a big way and it not be really open to many outlets. That has been and that was actually leads perfectly into my next question, Emerald, because um, the Biden administration touts itself as being uh, open and transparent. You hear that word transparency constantly from Jen Psaki and and people uh, with the Biden administration. And she'll say things even like, well, you know, I can't answer that question, but talk to the people down there at the border. And then at least a few people of the press. Well, yeah, we'll say you you won't you won't let us. So that's that that statement, that uh, that idea from the Biden administration that there is uh, that their focus and dedication is to transparency. Being somebody who's there at the White House doing this as a job, it, would you agree with that? Is that a true statement that the Biden, uh, the Biden White House is is focused on transparency? It's verifiably false. The only thing consistent with that statement is that the Biden administration consistently says one thing and does completely another, mm. as we're seeing. Talking to Emerald Robinson, White House correspondent with Newsmax. Go ahead, Chris. Emerald, I get a lot of flack from people because, you know, I'm a conservative, but I watch actually MSNBC and CNN because I want to get the other side's point of view and uh, see what they're talking about. Um, Democrats have been threatening to eliminate the filibuster, but of course, you know, there's two senators that are saying they're not for that. You know, when I watch these other channels, you can what they're talking about tells you what the strategy is. And because they're not talking about this, I think they're really afraid of it. And what I'm talking about is what uh, Mitch McConnell threatened, that if they did eliminate the filibuster, that he was going to soak them up the works to make sure that they didn't have a quorum or they have to have a roll call vote on every single vote. And that would grind the Senate to a halt. How fearful is the White House of this happening? You know, that's a good question. I don't know if they're very fearful of Republicans, because honestly, Republicans have not shown a lot of backbone in regards to really they talk a good game. But when it comes down to actually doing something, they don't. Case in point, Javier Becerra was confirmed uh, to the Health and Human Services, the head of the Health and Human Services Department. There are serious questions about his his uh, credentials to lead that agency and what he really brings to it, plus all the the scandals from California. Then you have Rachel Levine from Pennsylvania, the health official from Pennsylvania, who's going to be his number two if confirmed. And I am hearing from a very notable senator Mm -hmm. that she is likely to be confirmed. Is this the the transgender uh, uh, individual? The doctor? Yes. 
Okay. okay. That's absolutely sure correct. I, and talking about the right person. And this person, yeah, this person is implicated in the nursing home scandal and the hiding of information data in Pennsylvania that was very much like what Andrew Cuomo did in New York. That's, that's a very serious charge. And this person is supposed to be a, a senior official at the Health and Human Services Department. And as I said, one senator, one you know, very well-respected senator told me they expect their colleagues to vote to confirm Levine because they're afraid of being labeled in the media as transphobic. Not even looking at the nursing home scandal that Levine was a part of. Yeah, it's it's. So I'm not I don't have a lot of confidence necessarily in what McConnell says, and I don't think the White House really takes him too seriously either. And I do think Democrats in the White House are very serious about possibly changing the filibuster, because if they can do that, they have a greater possibility of pushing their immigration bill through and H.R. 1. And if they can get H.R. 1 through, then they don't really have to worry about anything in the future or any McConnell threats. Republicans will never win an election, national election again. Has the White House expanded or elaborated anymore on um, the situation with Vladimir Putin and Joe Biden calling him a killer and um, <laughs> the back and forth that has gone on? I know that the uh, uh, I know that uh, Russia oh pulled its uh, its uh, ambassador out of the embassy there um, yeah. in, in here or here in in America. Um, is have has the White House talked any more about that situation and and where do you see? Uh, that going if it's going anywhere it seems like it seems like the that that biden started something there that just didn't need to be started but what's what's the latest on that uh, nothing more on the white from the white house end on that as of right now i i don't think they were prepared <laughs> to be going right. at something with russia i think this is something that sort of came out of nowhere and then Vladimir Putin pushed the envelope, and he continued to do so even after the White House said that yeah. uh, President Biden would not engage in a live debate, given that he is "quote unquote" quite busy. Uh, Vladimir Putin continued to push and say that he hopes that the president stays healthy, and we all know what he's alluding yeah. to. And then Biden falling down the steps of Air Force One will probably only further instigate this kind of rhetoric from Putin. You know, you saying that that came out of nowhere and and probably caught a lot of people the White House off guard is a perfect um, example of what I was talking about earlier. I, I mentioned earlier in this segment, and I, and I talked about it in the last segment, too, about how it's very strange for the president to um, announce a press conference so far out because every administration <laughs> likes to be in very much in control of what the president's going to talk about, what the news of the day is going to be, not be blindsided by anything. By announcing a press conference two weeks out, it opens the president up to if something big happens that morning or the night before, the president is now uh, is now obligated to go out and talk to the press. And you never know, especially today, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> right. Go ahead, Chris. Um, Emerald, I'm going to give a plug for uh, Wake Up America, <laughs> 5.30 to uh, 8 o'clock. That's Central Standard Time. Um, your colleague, Rob Finnerty, is usually a very mild-mannered guy, pretty funny, very knowledgeable in politics. <laughs> but I watched the last hour of the show this morning, and he was pretty animated on what happened yesterday when uh, our top officials were meeting with uh, some of the Chinese officials in Alaska. Um, both sides had had uh, two minutes to give statements. Um, our side gave four-minute statement. The Chinese gave a 20-minute statement. And during that 
entire statement. They were upbraiding our democracy, um, mentioning Black Lives Matter and all the problems we have. And Rob mentioned that uh, how terrible that is for them to upbraid us when they have the Uyghurs and other people in detention camps. Um, talk a little bit about that. Well, look, it is very telling to how China feels that they can deal with this administration, how they portray our position on the world stage, because this is highly unusual. But you have to look at going into yesterday's meeting, something that doesn't get any attention is that you recall China gave the Bidens a billion and a half dollars through BHR partners. Back in 2014. See, I didn't want to go there. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's the the company that, you know, his son is supposed to currently be divesting himself from. Mm -hmm. And then just two months ago, the former director of national intelligence under the Trump administration, John Ratcliffe, put out a a memo to Congress along with an ombudsman, uh, a watchdog for the intelligence community that said that China interfered in the 2020 election. And that the CIA, the career CIA analyst here in Washington, D.C., did not want to disclose that in the report on foreign interference because they did not politically agree with the Trump administration's position on China. And they felt like it gave fuel to those policies. So China feels very comfortable being disrespectful to this administration in front of the whole world as it watches on. Yep. And I don't think think that Secretary Anthony Blinken was ready for that. I was surprised at how surprised he was in that meeting. He clearly seemed taken aback. Because I'm not surprised by it. I'm not surprised by the the way that uh, Vladimir Putin or or, uh, uh, Xi Jinping in in China – I'm sure I said that name wrong um, um, (laughs) – talks about us. But I think that we're used to somebody standing up to them and to just not not fight back or not defend uh, the country is, I think, the the most disheartening thing there. Uh, Emerald, we are just about out of time before we let you go. uh, Other than Wednesday mornings with Chris on that all star (laughs) panel uh, on Newsmax, what are all the different ways that people can uh, follow what you're working on, uh, follow you on social media, see your stuff, all that good stuff? Well, you can definitely follow me on Twitter at Emerald Robinson. I usually try to give even more information to the reports that I have during the day. I only have so much time when I'm on air, so I try to give more context and background information on my Twitter. And, you know, from time to time, I'm a little funny. Um, you can all, I, I know you should definitely watch on Wednesdays when Chris was with us, but you can even watch when he's not there. I'm still there from 6.30 to 9 on and off every morning and then throughout the day, you know, until about 4 p.m. You'll see me giving uh, live updates and reports, usually from the White House. That is excellent. Emerald, do you have cat videos on your Twitter? There's a question. I, I do not. Oh. If you're a cat person, you might be disappointed. I'm sorry. I am not a cat person, so I am actually uh, happy about that. So that is Emerald Robinson, the White House correspondent for Newsmax. Emerald, thanks again for your time and hope to talk to you again real soon. Thank you, Emerald. Sure. It's so good to talk to you guys. Yeah, back at you. Talk soon. All right. That is going to wrap up this segment. Got to take a quick break. Be back with more Weekend Report. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to 97.1 FM Talk. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island 
jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. You're listening to the best of the weekend report on 97.1 FM Talk. Right now, going to play for you a recent roundtable discussion that we had regarding the great outdoors with professional fisherman Mike Marfell and hunting expert Tim Shelsvik. We have seen a huge boom, uh, which is a it, which is a change of course um, because for decades, literally decades, mm-hmm. slowly but surely. Um, the industries of fishing and hunting and a lot of outdoor activities has just kind of slowly declined, slowly declined. But 2020 hits, mm-hmm. the world shuts down, people don't know, they don't have anywhere to go, and they rediscover the great outdoors. And now these industries are booming. We talked to our friend um, uh, Mark McMurray, who is the owner of Bluff City Outdoors mm-hmm. in Alton, which is a uh, bait and tackle shop right. there right along the Mississippi River. And he has owned that store for decades and has said that, you know, every year, you know, he, yeah. maybe he breaks even like from last year's sales. But typically he's just down just, a, yeah. you know, a little bit, a half a percent, one percent. And it's been that way every year, every year, every year. And then over the last year, yeah. just this massive spike um, in sales and interest in the in the great outdoors. So if there's yeah. one good thing maybe that came from 2020, it's people rediscovering um, outdoor activities. And I remember when we talked to him last time that the business was down a little bit because we were having all that flooding. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, and they, yeah. A lot of people weren't fishing. So it's good to see the industry come back. Absolutely. So uh, Mike Marfell and Tim Shelsvik join us on the line now. Fellas, how's it going? Awesome. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> they were waiting. Uh, I think each of them were waiting for the other one to go first. I was, yeah, I, we were staring each other down like an old western there. But gentlemen, <laughs> let's, uh, uh, Mike. Let's start with uh, let's start with the fishing industry. Is what I just described accurate in your opinion? Um, fishing, in my, yeah, yeah, absolutely, Tony. I mean, it's crazy. The, not only the tackle, but uh, people are buying boats, and I mean, people are just. People that don't take their boat out as much are going out. Like when I had a little issue with my bass boat earlier this spring, I knew when I called, they were like, dude, it's, we're not going to be able to squeeze you in. We got so many boats in here with people wanting to get out, you know, that normally don't have their boat out. You know how that goes. People that don't use their boat on a regular and you go to start it and it doesn't start kind of thing. So, I mean, just overwhelming amount of, uh, of, a boat's on a Tuesday is what I call it. Dude. You go out on a Tuesday and you're going to see people out fishing. So, so it's, little it's... Uh, little inside baseball here. As most people know, you know, we record this show just before the weekend hits. So especially with this being a uh, big holiday weekend, I hope everybody's able to uh, enjoy their holiday weekend and also at the same time reflect on what Memorial Day is all about. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> It, maybe right now as we're listening to this, I could be turning the key on my boat for the first time in several months 
And, and, and with the, yeah, with the fingers crossed, Mike, as you know, like <laughs> it's been a while. We haven't been able to get down there for a while. We've been crazy busy with life and everything. And, you know, it's been it's been a it's been a few months since we had the vote started. So you just never know if that thing's going to turn over. Um I'm that, that's funny, Tony. That's funny. <laughs> hopefully it does. Yeah, hopefully it does. So uh, guys that fish go, all the time, and it, Memorial Day and Labor Day is the days that the boat stays on the trailer. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. get enough time in. I don't want to go out there and battle all yeah, the uh, no. all, all the non-fishermen. Yeah, I don't know how much we're going to be out and about, but I definitely am going to try to get it started and take it around the cove a little bit at least, just to uh, just to air it out. Uh, Tim, what about the uh, what about the hunting industry? Is it is it is the the story the same? Kind of what I just set up, like. There's always, you know, it's not like it's it's unpopular. There's always going to be um, a, a group of people that, in, you know, hunt and are going to take advantage of all of those things. But um, have we seen the a, a big resurgence in that like we have in the fishing industry over the last year? Yeah, definitely. I mean, license sales are up, and that's the best metric for gauging um, what's uh, what's happening in this industry, and and we're seeing it across the board. Turkey, uh, spring turkey was was absolutely crazy back in 2020. 2021 was also an uptick, um, and uh, yeah, deer deer license, uh, deer tag sales are up. Uh, just a, and a lot of people that hunt public ground. In fact, some people were complaining that, gosh, my secret public ground honey hole spot that I've been hunting by myself for years and years suddenly. The parking lot's full, yeah. and, uh, and you got some some of the old guard that's kind of griping about all you know all this influx. But the reality is, we need it. Like we we need more people coming in, and maybe it, it proves to be a little inconvenient for those of us that have been at it for a long time and have our favorite spots. But we kind of have to look past our own preferences and look generationally to see like this this is what we've needed for a long time. We need this resurgence um, because. Frankly, uh, anglers and hunters, we're only as good. We only have as much voice as we have uh, revenue that we're generating for conservation. So uh, with license sales up, that means more dollars for conservation and more habitat improvement, uh, more restocking efforts. And uh, and that's what really moves needle for wildlife in our country. And uh, so we're we're back. And that's that's awesome. And yeah. the other thing I, I think that this points to is it's a much deeper kind of a philosophical piece. You know, I grew up playing uh, team hockey like I, I love sports. I love competition. But athletics are contrived. I mean, we're, we, we make up these goals like put the puck in the net. That's important. You got to do that. That's a contrived scenario. Hunting and fishing are real. Like yeah. the, the, you're battling the real elements. You're battling um, forces that you can't fully control. There's real success. There's real failure. It's real life, and I think there's always something very powerful about that. Yeah, and you and can be you power- can be the greatest. You can be the best fisherman in the world, which will make you which will give you more success than anybody else. But you still need the fish to bite. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like if you're if you if you if you're perfect with your golf swing, then you're going to hit the ball perfectly. If you're perfect with your fishing strategy or your hunting strategy, you still need something to go your way. And and you the know, rules might have just changed on you. Yeah, exactly. Because the weather just changed. Yeah. In Tim's case, the wind direction changed. Yeah, absolutely. So Chris, a great point, Tim. Chris has uh, the field's always changing. Chris has a, a few questions about why uh, he thinks this yeah. is happening. So go ahead, I think, Chris. and also too, I want to make this comment. I think one of the the 
things that makes hunting and fishing appealing is because it kind of has a gambling aspect of it. You know, you go to the casino and you want to get that one big hit that this is going to be the day that you hit the jackpot yeah. and it's like hunting you know you're hunting i'm going to get that big yeah this is the day i'm going to go the, out and get the big fish yeah. i think do you think that's a big a part of the appeal of it also <clears throat> Michael, I, oh, yeah i think that i 100 i'm sorry tim no, I, i'm 100 percent. it's it's like when you have a bad day you can't wait to get back out there and prove yourself that you haven't lost your <laughs> right. haven't lost your touch so to speak uh i mean I, a friend of mine, I, I'm not a I'm not a hunter anymore. You got to kind of pick your lane. But I, I used to do a lot of quail and and pheasant and mm-hmm. uh, duck hunting, and uh, it's the same same kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. You, you go out and have a great day, and then you'd have a horrible day. Like this season for me has been, I haven't cast a single check this year. Well, there was a year where I won Angler of the Year where I cast a single a check in every event, one and and won a couple. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. then the next year I don't do well. Well. Yeah. I want to go back and prove that wasn't a fluke. Right, right, you know, right. And, and you're I, the I same guy. Right. It's a totally gambling aspect. Yeah, and you're the same oh. guy. You have the same skills, maybe even more skills now. And, yeah, you know, it's still, skills. it's still just, it's still, you know, there's still that uh, other factor in there. Um, the fish in the game get a say. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> get a say. So, Tim, one well, of the one of the questions that uh, that uh, Chris was asking in the last segment we were kind of talking about was. Um, you know, with uh, with all the other weirdness that goes along with 2020 and things being closed, um, is it is it a recreation thing? Because for me, going fishing and getting out in the great outdoors, you know, I don't, I I sometimes eat the fish that I catch, but typically I'm just out fishing, catch and release, and just enjoying the great outdoors. Um, but we were wondering if if more and more people are actually harvesting their their hunt and their catch and you know in you know getting their own food mm-hmm. collecting their own food has that been a big part of it um in this last year in your indication or has it been more of just a um a, a way to get away from the madness well here's here's kind of an interesting take in that the uh the hipster movement <laughs> is pushing hunting now because it's huh. ethically sourced meat and so these guys that have been ironically wearing flannel are now venturing out into the woods because you, you get some awesome Instagram pictures, but <laughs> you can also ethically harvest meat that has been you know organically grown and cage free and hormone free. So there's a weird kind of there's a weird push for that group of people to get into hunting. But yeah, I mean. Uh, well, first off, I don't know any hunter that goes out and kills anything and doesn't consume it. So it's a little bit different from fishing in yeah. that yeah. in that sense. I, I know my family and I spent uh, quite a bit of time at the pond this uh, this past spring catching crappie and bringing them home and uh, cooking them up. My my daughter, my son caught a bunch and they love you know little little crappie bites. It's it, it's awesome. So it, it's a big part of our lives, and I think just the sheer recreation factor. We we've 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 undermined the value of that word. If you break it down, it, re- it literally means to be recreated. So you come back from the field a different person, usually a better person, because you've had some kind of experience that changes your perspective, that makes you, a, you, know, makes you see the world differently, makes you behave differently the next time you go out. So recreation, you know, people think of the term, they think, well, you know, I'm going to go play tennis, I'm going to go lay by a pool. Like, no, you're, 
you're coming back a different person and, and the outdoors changes people mm-hmm. and it gets them more in tune with life and death and the seasons and the ebb and flow of nature. It's so darn powerful. So when I think people have been, you know, guys have uh, been so busy with work, have been so busy with family, haven't been able to get out during, uh, during 2020, that changed. And more people have re- been reminded of how powerful the outdoors it really can be. Mike, um, as this ha- as particularly when it comes to fishing, I agree. It's so great to have more and more people involved in the sport and getting back out there on the water. Is there a little bit of uh, resentment from longtime fishermen that all of a sudden now you know they go out on the lake and they're used to being uh, a few boats out there, and now there's dozens of boats out there? Um, or is uh, by and large is it being very welcomed by the community? Oh, I think it's I think it's being welcomed by the community. I mean, sure, you're going to get a little frustrated, like Tim was saying. You're, somebody shows up and uh, on your spot or what you know a, a spot you thought you might have to yourself. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, it's a big lake, and we got lots of good mapping and GPS now. So just go find another spot similar to it. I mean, it's it, and it's fishing is probably a lot of its timing too. You can come back to that spot later and 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 fish it again. Uh, but yeah, I think I think everybody's welcoming to it because I mean the numbers are up in tournaments, and I think not only is it people that fish are having the opportunity to fish more because of being, you know, because of COVID and being able to maybe go on a Wednesday, you know, guys that are working from home or realizing oh I can do my work from Lake of the Ozarks remotely, I don't have to be in the office. But it's also new people. I had a friend of mine send me some pictures today and said, uh, "Look at this." He had three or four big sunfish. He lives in South Carolina and a couple big bass. And it's the first time he'd fished in four years. You know, he had never, and he got a chance to get out and now he's hooked again. He's back. So, I mean, it's, it's, there's no resentment. Uh, Maybe a little, there's always going to be people that maybe that do, but overall, I don't think so. So we've only got a couple minutes left in this segment. Can you guys stick around and do one more with us? 100%. 100%. Absolutely. Great. Fantastic. So um, while we have a couple minutes left in this, Chris, did you have a, did you have a question? Uh, yeah, I just want to ask you, you're a fisherman, yeah. and we have fishermen on uh, this thing here. Uh-huh. Using sonar and things like that, is that cheating? Ah, that's a great, you know what? That's a great question, just, actually. Yeah. I actually I actually <laughs> like that question. You know, when it comes to all the electronics, Mike, you know, we can see under the water now and, and better than we've ever been able to before. Um, is there any part of you or any segment of the fishing community that thinks that uh, all that technology is cheating? Absolutely, there's a bunch of people that <laughs> the old timers, the old timers that ha- that learned how to do it with a paper map and and triangulating positions to fish offshore. Sure, yeah, but let's just be honest. Why would you want to? Do you want to go back to a horse and buggy, or do you want to ride in your car? <laughs> yes, exactly right. <laughs> I mean, so I mean, it's it's you still have to learn to use those tools. Uh, I don't like the fact that it's, you know, I've got close to 10000 I don't even want to say $10,000 <laughs> worth of electronics on my boat. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's added to the cost because I'm, I'm a competitive fisherman. So mm-hmm. it's like, well, if Tim's got it, I better get it too because right. he's got an advantage. $10,000 of electronics on the boat and didn't cash a check this year yet. That's, <laughs> yep, uh... it's, it's, and anybody that tells you that they may – that's why I don't like you calling me a pro fisherman because, <laughs> I, 
I like to if I break even, hey, I consider that a anybody win. who's uh, out there fishing in a boat in a in in a boat that they won in a tournament yeah, is a pro. Exactly. That uh, helps. That helps. Hey, that Tim, helps. I know we're going to stick around and do another segment, uh, but uh, while we have a, a minute left here in this segment, tell people where they can learn more if they want to get uh, into the hunting game um, about the 100% po- uh, Wild podcast, the Thinking Woodsman, and everything you do there. Um, how can people get more information? Yeah, DeerCast is the best place for all that, whether you're a seasoned hunter or you're just interested We've got hundreds of videos in there that range anywhere from how to locate a buck to how to plant a food plot. Our podcasts are in there. We just had a uh, uh, Dale Beatty on our podcast who won the Transformation Challenge over at First Form here recently. He's black. He's a hunter. We asked the question, Does, should race matter when mm. it comes to hunting? Interesting. Uh, so that, that was a really interesting podcast that we did with Dale. That's in, uh, that's in DeerCast. So DeerCast.com or just go to your app store and, and download the app. And uh, thinking woodsman and some of the uh, the 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 fitness and uh, diet related things that you're working on. Yeah, yeah. If you just go to thinkingwoodsman.com, and I, I, I've got a, an article up there called "How to Master the My Transformation Challenge," or check out Legion of Woodsmen on Facebook and uh, and hop in there. I'm happy Great to stuff. help. Great stuff. That is Tim Shelswick from Drury Outdoors. He's going to stick around. So is Mike Marfell, who is a professional fisherman, whether he likes it or not. <laughs> Uh, Don't go anywhere. We'll continue talking to the guys on the Weekend Report when we get back. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to level up your financial game? Let NerdWallet guide you with smart strategies for lasting success. Get savvy tax planning pointers to maximize your savings, money-saving travel tips for your next family getaway, and investing insights like how a 529 plan can help you send your kids to college. Unlock the key to saving to help you earn more money. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you in 2024. Welcome back to the Best of the Weekend Report. Let's get you back to our Great Outdoors Roundtable with professional fisherman Mike Marfell and hunting expert Tim Shelsvik. We went a little long in that last segment and lucky enough to keep uh, Tim Shelsvik from Drury Outdoors, our hunting expert, and Mike Marfell, our fishing expert, on for just a few more minutes here. Going to try to rapid fire a few more questions. Uh, Mike, before we dive back in, um, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a million more questions that I and, and, and others have before we run out of time here. If people do want to follow you more and ask questions of you and your friends and things like that, uh, I know you participate in an awesome YouTube channel. Tell people about it. Ten Horse Monty uh, on YouTube. Yeah, I don't have a huge social media profile myself, but I am a frequent guest on uh, Monday Night Live yes. and uh, Ten Horse Monty. Uh, we travel fishing the BFLs together, mm-hmm. and please tune in coming soon because Gabe, the Tin Horse, is up in Mile Axe, Minnesota, and he showed me a picture today where he has a four-pound smallmouth, four-plus-pound smallmouth in Ooh, each hand. Wow. Story was, as he was holding the one up for the camera, and he dropped his Ned rig over the side of the boat, 
another one grabbed it and he had to huck fin it in real with a fish in one hand and then the next picture was him holding two plus four pound smallmouth dang that's about as those videos are going to be awesome that's yeah that's as cool as it gets 10 horse monty like the metal 10 t-i-n chris and uh yeah he fishes out of a tin boat yeah and that uh that monday night uh that monday night question and answer show that they do where people uh watching on youtube can submit questions live and get answers and mike's great and he's having real professional fishermen on that show he's had shaw grigsby and james <laughs> watson and mark menendez and guys that have been on the elite series trail for decades nice. so so uh, it's we, really grown we've only got about five minutes left here in the hour let's try to get to as many quick questions as we can tim um another thing that we mentioned before we had you guys on not only is the hunting industry uh seeing a resurgence uh here in missouri we're seeing new opportunities uh for the first time ever with uh the introduction of an elk hunting season and a bear hunting season for the first time in missouri history just over this past year um or at least for a very, very long time, if not for the first time in history. Uh, talk about those two seasons a little bit, and were they successful, and is, are those things going to continue to grow, in your opinion? Yeah, uh, the, the elk season that happened last year, there were five Missouri residents that were drawn for that, and all five tagged out. They shot some really nice bulls, and uh, so that's definitely a success. And I don't remember how many thousands of people applied for those tags mm-hmm. but uh but each each application was 10 bucks a non-refundable 10 dollar uh a 10 dollar application fee went in so that's a lot more dollars towards conservation and mm-hmm. they're going to keep rolling with it. buy some food plots yeah <laughs> yeah no no kidding and and you know and ensuring that those elk are are monitored and uh, and healthy and everything that's important um so they will continue with that, and, 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 and again, hunting is just one of the tools in the toolbox of, uh, of conservationists. And so they're using hunting to manage the population, make sure it doesn't spike, and, and, uh, and we end up with unhealthy elk. And, so, and, and then this fall will be the first modern bear hunting season. And uh, it's pretty tight. I, I don't remember. I, I want to say it's like 10 days. They split the state up into three bear management zones, all pretty much south of I-44. Um, and uh, with I, I think they're looking at harvesting 40 bears across uh, all three zones. Zone one gets 20 bears and zone two and three get 10 bears. And uh, I think something like 200, they're, they're going to draw for 200 permits so if you're in a bear management zone where you can only take 10 and uh you haven't killed yet and they hit their quota for 10 you're done for the year gotcha. the, the, chris, the, the season closes chris you're gonna go you i want to go bear hunting with me? uh n- probably not no i gotta sit that one out. you know there it was a big deal you know a couple of weeks ago uh, when the bear was found on a highway 40 and their numbers seem to be getting uh, out of control so i think you know we do need a bear hunt but my question is what do you do with the bear do you eat the meat or or any of that and the second question question is what are your guys um belief on trophy hunting like going to africa and getting Mm. a a zebra or something you know exotic do you do you believe in that or what's your views on that just about a minute here tim go ahead (laughs) why not (laughs) (laughs) well because i have a question for mike that i need to that i need to ask before we're done so go ahead Sure. Bear, bear hunting, you eat the meat, uh, and most people will make a rug out of uh, okay. the hide. Oh, there you go. Um, trophy hunting, you have to ask the person, what do you mean by trophy hunting? 
um, because that, there's a lot wrapped up in that term, um, and it's it's a much more complex mm-hmm. issue. Uh, most most African hunts, and that's what people think of mostly when they sure. think of trophy hunting. Most African hunts are lined up to take out sick animals or animals that are screwing up the the uh, the so, the social structure of the group, like an old male or or, or something like that, or or, or an, an elephant mm-hmm. that's that's gone rogue and is posing a danger and they get thousands and thousands of dollars for the local community and a bunch of meat. So there are, there are benefits to it. There is a dark side as there is with anything, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a little more complex than, than people give it credit for. Yeah. Yeah. And, and ethics play a huge role in that and you need to, kind of peel the layers yeah. back to see those details, I think. And I'm cases. not a jerk. I was just asking. Yeah, no, it's question. a great question. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, before we go, I, I always ask you this every time we talk to you on the radio, but this time I'm asking uh, selfishly, since I'll be fishing this weekend as well, if people are listening and they're going to be spending a little bit of their uh, Memorial Day weekend on the water, can you give us a couple quick tips for uh, what we could do this weekend to give ourselves a better chance? Top water, top water, and top water. Yeah, uh, my favorite. Yeah, that fish. would be. There's still a few fish hanging on the beds because of this moon that we got right now, and we're a little behind the times with the water didn't warm up as quickly this year as it normally would. But them post spawners are going to be chasing that top water. Uh, but you can, you know, just coming out of the spawning areas, Tony. No, we know last time we talked it was about going in. Now they're coming out and. Uh, <laughs> I would I would throw that top put up if you want to catch a big fish this weekend lock a top water in your hand and throw it all day. Are they are they uh, in there are they super aggressive right now? Yeah. Yeah. So yep. Nice. They'll be a big walking bait, a big popping bait. Basically your favorite top water. I yeah. mean whatever that may be. Uh I like a frog at Lake of the Ozarks cuz I can put braided line on it and skip it underneath those cables. Uh yeah. But yeah, the, the, those big females that have already spawned out, they're going to react to great a top stuff. Water bait if for I sure. catch a if I catch a, a a decent bass this weekend with a top water bait, I'll post it on Twitter. Man, I see and video. I, credit, I don't want pictures. I want and video. And I'll credit Mike. Uh, guys, thank you so much. Uh, we've spent most of the hour with you, and I could go uh, an entire another hour. I really appreciate uh, all your time. I that could is, go all day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I hope everybody. I got all kinds of questions for Tim. Yeah, <laughs> I hope everybody has uh, a great uh, Memorial Day weekend and gets a chance to get out there and enjoy the great outdoors. Tim Shelsvik from Drury Outdoors and the 100% Wild uh, podcast and the Thinking Woodsman. Uh, thank you so much. And Mike Marfell, who you can see again on the 10 Horse Monty YouTube channel. Uh, thanks, guys. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank thanks, you. Boys. Have a great weekend. Don't go anywhere. If you miss anything, make sure you download our podcast anywhere you get podcasts. But the Odyssey app is uh, the best place to do so, in my opinion. We'll be back with more Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone.